Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. It is Wednesday, October 25th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody is ready for a quick but jam-packed episode of the Aerator Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We're going to open the mega story out of college football. We're talking Michigan. Sign stealing, the scandal. On Friday, we talked about it. Oh, it's no big deal. Everybody steals signs. Well, when you hear the details that have come out over the last 24 to 48 hours, I'm sorry. I don't know how you could say this is no big deal. We'll get into all of that. We will then switch gears. YouTube will have a little bit of a bonus, maybe, element to the show. But for those of you listening live on podcast, what we're going to do is jump right into college hoops. We are now like 10 days away from the start of college hoops. And so what I want to dive into is the biggest stories, in my opinion, in the sport this season. We'll give you eight, nine, 10 headlines to watch as we are so, so, so close to college basketball. And I'll give you some details on where you can find some other college hoops content from your boy Taurus. Before we get started, do want to have a quick reminder. Again, remember. Legal sports betting has come to the state of Kentucky, and I am very proud to announce that the Aaron Torres Pot has partnered with DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. By now, you know the deal, but DraftKings, they've been great to us, and they are offering a special deal for first-time customers who are listeners of the Aaron Torres Pot. This is what you got to do. This is what you need to know. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can bet $5 on any game, college, pro, football, basketball we still got baseball going on bet whatever you want bet five dollars on any game and you get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly when you use the promo code Torres. remember that's for first time customers only a lot of you you say to me all the time Torres, what can i do to help you you give me so many great shows throughout the course of a week a month a year what can i do to help download the DraftKings sportsbook app use the promo code Torres. bet five dollars on any game and get 200 in bonus bets instantly with that said There is no more time to waste, so let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, it is the biggest story, I believe, right now, this second in sports. It is the Michigan football sign-stealing scandal. And it's interesting because when I talked about this on Friday, I was, you know, it's not often that I am surprised by a reaction to a story from the general public. I'm not always right. I'm not always wrong, but I usually feel like I have a pretty good idea of what the temperament and what the tone of, of people's feelings are whenever we get a major story like this. Well, I was dead wrong because when this story came out on Friday, it was, Oh, everybody steals signs. This isn't a big deal. 
I didn't even know you couldn't send coaches on the road to scout opposing team. And so I get it. I took I took a little bit of heat for that take because I do think it's, it's a big deal. But I bring it up because over the last 24 to 48 hours, we have gotten some really, really, really big new information. And I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. But if you think this is no big deal, I really can't help you because this is a big story with wide-ranging consequences. And I do think there is one very important thing that, frankly, not enough people are talking about. Now, in terms of the story, everybody knows the details, right? Uh, assistant, uh, not even an assistant coach. He's a, a low-level staffer named Connor Stallions. I don't think it's necessarily relevant to the story, but he was in the Marines. You know, he, I guess on his LinkedIn page, there was something about, you know, being able to decode and decipher whatever. But the bottom line is story comes out Thursday into Friday that a low-level staffer is involved in a sign-stealing investigation involving Michigan. And so what I want to do is get into some of the new information. And it starts with the bottom line of why this is a, a why this is even an investigation to begin with. Because as I said, to lead this segment, it is not illegal to steal signs. I would guess that virtually every staff in some way, shape, or form does some element of this. What is illegal, though, is to send coaches on the road to scout opposing teams. And let me just tell you, let's get to some of the new details, because to me, this is a big, 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 big deal. Okay, so this is what we learned over the last 24 hours, most of it from a report from ESPN, although also The Athletic did a very good report on this as well. What we found out is that Connor Stallions, a low-level staffer that makes about $55,000 a year, over the last two years since getting hired as a full-time assistant coach at Michigan, two years into three, 2022 season beyond whatever, is that he has purchased tickets to 30-plus games across Big Ten country, most under his name, some under other family members' names, whatever. He sent them to different people. Uh, sometimes he's bought one, sometimes he's bought two. But what's important is 30-plus games, all, as best we can tell, future Michigan opponents, sometimes multiple games over the course of the season. This directly from ESPN. I want to read it so I make sure to get it right. One source told ESPN Stallions bought tickets to five different games at that school over the past three years. Another said it was four games over the past two years. A third said it was nine games over the past three years. Some of the purchases, as I just said, were single tickets, others for multiple people, whatever. So first of all, you got a guy making 55K buying tickets to upwards of 30 games, sometimes upwards of four, five, six, seven, eight games over the course of multiple seasons. This is not normal behavior. This is not what every staff is doing. If the ESPN report is accurate, and I have no doubt that it is beyond that. And I think there's a couple more important notes to this one, all of the ticket purchases, all essentially follow in the same path. All ticket purchases are made on about the 45 to 50 yard line. All ticket purchases are elevated, raised up so that you have a clear view of the opposing sideline. And it's worth noting that because of current surveillance, we already know, we, apparently according to both ESPN and The Athletic, we already have proof that, that the people that were using those tickets are seen using their phones to take Video Now, again, I understand it's 2023. Everyone at the stadium uses the phone at some point. 
I get it, Michigan fans. I understand. This does not feel like taking up, picking up your phone to take a selfie. That is not what this feels like at all. It feels like it's a little bit more complex. 30 tickets, bunch of different stadiums, bunch of different teams, multiple games. I'm sorry. This is not normal behavior. And let me also add this. Kind of an interesting note for the people that say, oh, it's all one big coincidence. Connor Stallions bought multiple tickets on both sidelines for last week's Penn State-Ohio State game. This story broke on Thursday, and surprise, surprise, those tickets were not used. So again, what we cannot deny is at the very least there is a pattern of behavior. A guy that frankly probably can't afford tickets is buying tickets. He is giving them out. We have video surveillance of people in those seats taking video with those tickets. And then, oh, by the way, they're all happen to be on the same sideline, same area, uh, opposing sideline, et cetera, right? So if it's just for friends and family, he didn't get them in the nosebleeds, and it doesn't feel like that's the case. I think there's a couple other very interesting elements that came out on Tuesday as well. One, first of all, is that there were multiple videos pulled. Now, a lot of them, admittedly, were from Ohio State accounts or Ohio State media or whatever. They're doing their job just like everybody else. And what I would say is this guy does not have the normal um, communication patterns, if you will, of a low-level staffer. There's multiple videos shown, and maybe it just so happens that it's all a coincidence. But one, the first drive of the Ohio State game last year. Now, admittedly, Ohio State scored on that drive, so that is worth noting. But the first drive of that game, you can see Ohio State audible into something, and he, Connor Stallions, a, 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 again, not even a position coach, not a coordinator, he starts going crazy and signaling something. The entire sideline starts signaling it. Michigan changes his defense. Like, this is not normal behavior for somebody who's not the coordinator. Speaking of which, multiple videos, him talking to Mike McDonald, basically being his right-hand man, the, the Michigan coordinator two seasons ago when Michigan made the playoff in 2021. Then in 2022, uh, him talking to Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, a year ago. Again, not normal behavior on game day for a low-level staffer to have the ear of the defensive coordinator. That is not normal. I'm sorry, Michigan fans. Don't try to sell me. It is not normal. And so when you add it all up, something is not right here. And I would also say this too. And I said, and I know I've said it two or three times, but I do think it is worth repeating here is that this is a guy that was making 55 K a year. This is not a guy that can just afford to buy tickets upon tickets, upon tickets, upon tickets, for just friends and family. Like, I think that's an important element of this year as well. Just so happens to buy tickets all over the Midwest. Just so happens to buy tickets for teams that all happen to be future Michigan opponents. It feels like more than a coincidence. And again, this feels like a bigger story. And the reason it's a bigger story, and I want to get to this, I want to make sure that I hammer this home. Because I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm the only one that sees it. It is a bigger story not because it's sign-stealing, because it is an in-depth, elaborate plan to go to opposing team stadiums and get intel and advantage that you can't get by being in the stadium on the other sideline, as in if, if you're playing them as an opponent and you can't get on TV, you can't get on game film, you can't get on anything. 
And so this is an integ. First of all, first of all, just broken NCAA rule. And I'm not Mister like, oh, you gotta play by the NCAA rules. I get all that. I get the NCAA rule books outdated, but at the same time, they did break a rule. But more importantly, and this is the part: if you take nothing else out of this, I think this is an important part that I haven't heard anybody else really talk about. We now live in the sports gambling era of sports, and everybody's taking money from sports books. I get it. We have a partnership ourselves. I like, like that's not new. That's not a new piece of information, but I just bring it up to very simply say that the one thing you cannot do and why this is a big deal and why the big 10 is investigating and why the NCA is investigating is because you can't put the integrity of the game into question. If you're a Michigan fan, you don't have to go far down the road. Jamison Williams just came off a suspension for the Detroit Lions. Why? Because he bet on something somewhere. Like, like he was suspended because there was an integrity issue with him playing in the NFL. Same with multiple Detroit Lions. You can agree. You can disagree. But everybody has to be extra cautious in this era. Iowa, Iowa State are missing players because of betting that was tracked, that was deemed to be some sort of integrity issue. And that is exactly what this is. Michigan fans, I don't know how much Jim Harbaugh knew, how bad it really was, how much Connor Stallions really picked up. But anything that calls into question the integrity of the game that gives Michigan an unfair advantage, and I'm sorry, sending your assistants all over the Midwest to scout teams does, that is a big deal. And so now, I'll be blunt. I'm just curious to see what happens next. And this is one I don't know that I have a really good answer on because this is so unprecedented. This has never happened before that I know of at the college level. Now, we had, you know, uh, Spygate in the NFL, but even Spygate, that was using cameras in the stadiums, all this, all that. This is going on the road. This is coordinated. This is multiple stadiums all over the country buying tickets, giving them out, taking video, getting it back. You can't watch the videos that surfaced on Tuesday and say it's no big deal. Everybody does this. If it is, you know, find it for me. Find me the Ohio State sideline. Find me the Penn State sideline. Find me the Michigan State sideline. Find me the Alabama sideline of a low-level staffer getting in the ear of Jim Knowles at Ohio State or whomever, Kevin Steele at Alabama. It doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. And so this is a big deal. You can't tell me it's not. And I'm just fascinated to see what happens next. Now, again, I'm not smart enough to know what the NCAA is going to do because the NCAA marches to the beat of its own drum. And this is also a unique circumstance because Michigan was already being investigated for other stuff. By the way, Michigan fans, don't tell me, oh, the NCAA is out to get us. The NCAA is not out to get you. Harbaugh was stupid with the cheeseburger stuff, then basically lied about it. Like, he was so bad in that investigation. He brought on a lot of the problems himself. And then this, this is a big deal because everyone in the league knew about it. Like, like, so it, it, the NCAA isn't out to get Michigan. It's that everybody got pissed off because they're egregiously breaking the rules. And so we'll see what happens next. It is worth noting. Jim Harbaugh can deny, deny. And by the way, I'm a Harbaugh guy. For the record, I picked Michigan to win the national championship. I said three weeks ago they were the best team in college football when everyone's else talking Georgia or Texas or whoever. I've said since day one, I think Michigan is the best team in the country. But at the same time, you cannot tell me this is nothing. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jim Harbaugh. Remember, 
They have coaches responsibility rules, which basically say if you're the head coach, even if you didn't know, you should know. It's obvious the NCAA and Jim Harbaugh are not getting along. And so we will see what happens from there. Ultimately, I don't know if Harbaugh, listen, I still think Harbaugh is going to coach every game this year. I think there's going to be a cloud, but when they win the way that they do, you know, people will move past it. You know, the initial report came out Thursday. Everybody had the hot takes on Friday. Then Saturday, they destroyed Michigan State. And it was kind of like, well, they didn't need to steal signs on this one. They're just way, way, way better than Michigan State. So we'll see what happens as time goes on. But at some point, Michigan is going to be punished for this. We'll see what happens. And I stick by what I said on Friday. I, I, I really do believe this is Harbaugh's last year. I'm not rooting for it. I love him. He's good for college football. He's good for Michigan. He's good for the Big Ten. But it just feels like stuff is starting to add up, whether he knew, whether he didn't know, good, bad, whatever. It's just starting to add up. It's starting to have a little cloud over the program. And listen, if he wins a national championship, if he wins a third straight Big Ten title, he beats Ohio State for a third straight year, he is going to have his suitors. So we'll see what happens. But please, 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 please do not tell me this is no big deal because it is a huge deal for the reason that I mentioned. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break. When we come back, how about this? We're about, what, 10 days away from the start of college hoops? Want to do a little college hoop segment, talk about some of the bigger storylines going into the season. Quick break. Be right back. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with a little bit of college hoops. First off, I know for those of you who are kind of new to the show or been listening the last couple weeks, yes, on these Wednesday shows, we've kind of looked ahead to the big games in college football. This coming weekend, if you look, there aren't really that many big games. So we'll do the full preview on Friday. But I do want to talk college hoops because incredibly, we're about 10 days away from the start of the season. Next week, you get your nights to yourselves. Then college hoops starts, and I'm pretty excited. Got a lot of big things planned. Should mention, by the way, uh, if you want more college hoops coverage, the College Hoops Daily Pod, Zach Kroll hosts it. He's part of the Aaron Torres media family, but I have joined him over the last couple weeks to preview the SEC the Big East, and the ACC. We'll do all the big previews there. So make sure and check it out. College Hoops Daily Pod uh, if you want some more College Hoops coverage. With that said, let's get into what I deem to be the 10 biggest stories in College Hoops going into the year. Again, a little bit of a cheat sheet. I'll try to be quick on these. You know, Torres, sometimes I'm good at this. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes it goes eight minutes. Sometimes it goes 38. 
But let's get into my top 10 storylines. And number one, the number one storyline bluntly is who is number one going into the year? Because it's interesting. I think some years you can legitimately argue there's one team that deserves the top spot. Last year, I actually thought North Carolina justifiably should have been the number one team. It fell apart, and we'll get to Carolina in a second. But in my opinion, I thought they were deserving of that spot. They returned everybody off of a team that played for the national title the year before. This year, I think you can make a case for three different teams. And ironically, it is the three teams at the top of the first AP poll. Kansas, Duke, and Purdue. Okay. From the Kansas perspective, I think everybody knows the big narrative there. Hunter Dickinson's star transfer comes in from Michigan. think he should probably be up there with Zach Eady as the national player of the year front runner. Really talented player. And the thing about Kansas, they got guards for days, right? Uh, Kevin McCuller is back. He's a little bit more of a wing. Dewan Harris, he's been a starter since that national championship run two years ago. Uh, they add Nick Timberlake, a transfer from uh, Towson. So really talented team, not very deep. Also, El Marco Jackson, a five-star name that you need to know. Kansas, think you can make the case for them. Duke would actually be, if I had a pick, Duke would be number one. I know whatever, oh, John Shire, how good is he really? I don't know. I just know that they basically return everybody. And what's cool about Duke, basically it feels like maybe NIL helped them, but they had three different players that I believe would have been drafted if they had gone pro last year. Kyle Filipowski, uh, Tyrese Proctor, a guard, and Mark Mitchell, a wing. I believe all three of them would have been somewhere in late first to early second round picks. Instead, they come back, and I think that's great for college basketball. So you add them in with Jeremy Roach, uh, multi-year starter, another elite freshman recruiting class. This team has a chance to be really, really, really good. And then Purdue. Listen, Purdue, you can argue it, you can debate it, and we're going to get into them in a minute, but they return everybody off a team that won the Big Big Ten regular season, the Big Big Ten tournament. They beat Duke. They beat Gonzaga during the regular season. Tournament did not end well, but think you can make an argument for them at number one. Let's get to the number two storyline, and that is Purdue. Because the argument with Purdue, the fascinating conversation with Purdue, is pretty straightforward. 2018 into 2019, Virginia loses as a one seed to a 16 seed. They bounce back, win the national championship the following year. And everyone say, can Purdue do that as well? I'm here to tell you, I don't really see it happening. And listen, no disrespect to Purdue. But the bottom line is, like, people forget about that Virginia team. They had three guys that were NBA caliber players on that team. Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and DeAndre Hunter, who had been hurt in the previous year's NCAA tournament. Well, Purdue was at full strength. And full strength just wasn't good enough last year as they lost as a 16 seed. And so I bring it up because I, I I don't see it from Purdue. NCAA tournament is about guard play. It's about difference makers. It's about having NBA caliber players, which we'll get into in a minute with UConn. Purdue has Zach Eady and their guards just, I, I don't think their guards are good enough. And I think they justifiably should be the preseason favorite in the Big Ten. But the NCAA tournament is about being able to win multiple different ways, multiple different styles, big, small, fast, slow. That's not Purdue. That's not who they are. They can win one way doing one thing, and I don't think this team is built for the tournament. So I don't mean to rain on Purdue fans' parade. It's October. You want to enjoy the season. I just don't see it. I really don't. Let's get to the number three storyline, and that is, can UConn become the first team since the Florida Gators in 06 and 07 to go back-to-back? And I know I'm the UConn guy, and I know I'm a homer. I will say this. I'm not picking it to happen, 
but I think it absolutely can. Because for me with UConn, it comes down to this, okay? I believe the NCAA tournament is about two things and two things only. It's about guard play and do you have NBA caliber players, okay? UConn last year, three guys on that team that are on opening night NBA rosters. Jordan Hawkins was a lottery pick. Andre Jackson it was, is with the Milwaukee Bucks. And Adama Sonogo made the Chicago Bulls opening night roster. They lose those guys, but they still bring back three of their top six, Tristan Newton, Alex Caravan, Donovan Klingon, and they add the number three recruiting class in college basketball behind only Kentucky and Duke, headlined by a McDonald's All-American in Stefan Kassel. And so when I look at UConn, they have the guard play. Tristan Newton, fifth-year senior, Stefan Kassel, uh, a McDonald's All-American, lottery-type talent, and they add Cam Spencer, a transfer from Rutgers. But two, when you get to the NCAA tournament, do you have dudes? Do you have NBA guys? Well, Donovan Kling is a projected lottery pick, the seven foot two center from Bristol, Connecticut. Alex Caraban, a redshirt sophomore, is projected by some as a late first, early second round type talent. And Stefan Castle, as I said, is being projected in most mock drafts as a top 15 pick. And so UConn checks the boxes for me. Now, it's going to be hard. They're not going to sneak up on anybody. But can they win two in a row? I absolutely believe so. That is the number three storyline to me. Number four, it is the Kentucky Wildcats. And I think the question that a lot of people are asking, Kentucky, are they actually a little bit underrated coming into the year? And I know what everyone will say, oh, Cal's teams are never underrated. They stink. Well, Kentucky is ranked 16th in the first AP poll. That is the lowest that any John Calipari team has been ranked. And I think they are a little bit underrated. For people who missed it, they did a summer tour in Canada, played in an event called the Global Jam. They looked really good. And the thing that stands out to me, they have elite NBA-level guys across the board. We just talked about it with UConn. For Kentucky, it's DJ Wagner. It's Justin Edwards. They have three guys in the front court that are projected NBA draft-type guys. Zvonavir Ivisevich, who we talked about a lot on this show, Aaron Bradshaw and Agana Onyenso, who are both hurt. And so you can sit there and say, freshmen don't win in college basketball. Young players, that's not true. That's the dumbest narrative going. Zach and I talked about it on our preview show. Here's the truth. Freshmen win if they're good enough. Who was the number one team in the country last year? Alabama, most of the year. They had three of their top five scorers were freshmen. Noah Clowney, Brandon Miller, Jaden Bradley. Duke returns four of their top five scorers. Four of their top five scores last year were freshmen. A couple of those guys are coming back. They're all NBA-type talents. And oh, by the way, last year, Duke, guess what? They won the ACC tournament. They were a five seed in the NCAA Big Dance. And so I bring it up because I believe this team is talented. I believe they're going to play fast. I love Oscar Shibway, but I think Kentucky is better without him. And yes, to answer your question, I believe in my heart of hearts that Kentucky is underrated. Let's get to number five. It's the North Carolina Tar Heels. And listen, North Carolina, baby, we know the narrative from last year. Started number one, missed the NCAA tournament. By that metric alone, you can argue it was quite literally the most disappointing season in college basketball history. Now, the good news is some retooling in the offseason. I talked about it in the offseason, but I do think it's interesting. Hubert Davis has sold basically... I don't think he said it publicly, but certainly privately, it's become clear. 
Everybody there is selling that Caleb Love was the problem at North Carolina. Is it fair? Is it unfair? I don't know. But what feels to me very interesting is a couple things. One, Armando Baycott, RJ Davis, both multi-year veteran players elected to return. To me, if the program was falling apart, if Hubert Davis was completely inept, those guys would have either gone pro or they would have transferred. Hubert Davis, to his credit, did very well in the portal. Harrison Ingram, former McDonald's All-American. Uh, Paxson Wojcik, excuse me, as my voice is about to give. I've been talking all week. Paxson Wojcik, a transfer from the Ivy League. Um, who else? Who's the other big one? Cormac Ryan, transfer from Notre Dame. So they did well in the portal. They added a five-star freshman in Elliott Cadeau. And I look at this team. Hubert Davis did everything right, and we will now see the results. Again, you got to win. You got to win early. You got to win when it matters. But am I buying that, yes, it is possible that, oh, by the way, Caleb Love was the problem? I am. North Carolina is number five to me. Let's kind of stay on the Caleb Love theme. Let's go out west to Arizona. Let's just talk Pac-12 because Pac-12 football is having the revival of a century. Everybody in the Pac-12 is good. So the question becomes, can basketball have the same? The answer, no, absolutely not. But I do think there are three very intriguing teams in the Pac-12. One is Arizona. Combination of some returnees, Umar Balo, multi-year starter, Kylan Boswell, point guard, along with some very high-profile transfers. Caleb Love from North Carolina, Keisha Johnson from uh, San Diego State, Jaden Bradley, who I just mentioned, played at Alabama last year. From the Arizona perspective, I think they're going to be good. Uh, not great at the three-point shot, but I believe that, one, Keisha Johnson, anyone who listens to this show knows I am a fan. I believe he is special. I believe that he bought into the system at San Diego State but has more to give, and the early returns out of Arizona, he might be a little bit better than everybody realizes, except for Torres because I've been telling you that since April. As far as Caleb Love is concerned, I truly believe this is a guy. I'm not making excuses, but I think the fresh start will be good. And it feels like he kind of knows this is his last chance. If he doesn't get it right at Arizona, his career could go sideways because he was at Carolina. It didn't work. Went to Michigan, academic, whatever. You got to make it work at Arizona. As far as the rest of the Pac-12, UCLA is interesting. We talked about it at the end of the summer. They've added four very high-profile international players, including multiple guys projected as first-round picks. Most notable one, Adai Mara, seven-foot-two center from uh, from Spain. Berka Birkenspiel, I believe is how you say his name, a six-foot-eight wing from Turkey, and a point guard from Serbia. Very interesting team. I will say a couple of those players arrived very late. Been kind of told it's been a, a process to get them going. Remember, UCLA is on the quarter system, so they didn't even get to campus until September. Most teams have their players back in May. So they'll be interesting. And then finally, USC. Listen, one, we all hope Bronny is feeling better um, and that he's able to play. Safety first, obviously. But USC is very interesting. Certainly the best backcourt in this league with Isaiah Collier, potential lottery pick at point guard. And oh, by the way, on top of that, Boogie Ellis, multi-year starter there. Fascinating to see USC. USC and Arizona, to me, are the favorites. UCLA is interesting. I know people like Colorado, like a couple other schools. I think there's a big gap after those three. Let's keep it going. Storyline number seven? Does that sound right? Storyline number seven, Gonzaga. Is Gonzaga, like, slowly starting to die a little bit? Because I think they might be, okay? 
So we've talked about this before, but Tommy Lloyd leaves for the Arizona head coaching job. Tommy Lloyd was their lead recruiter, international guy. If you've noticed, they have not had a lot of big recruiting wins since Tommy Lloyd left. Now, to their credit, they beat Tommy Lloyd head-to-head for point guard Ryan Nemhard, a transfer from Creighton. But beyond that, the international pipeline has largely dried up at Gonzaga. And frankly, Arizona's roster right now looks a lot more like a Gonzaga roster from two, three, four years ago. Big, athletic, skilled, all that, international. As opposed to Gonzaga, which is just kind of a couple dudes, Ryan Nemhard, Graham E.K., not a lot behind it. And to me, it is interesting. This is now year three for Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. Every year you start to see the program just regress just a little bit. Not falling off a cliff. They're not terrible. But they had about a five-year run where I believe every year they were capable of winning a national championship. This does not look like a championship roster to me. Let's wrap with a couple more storylines. Number eight. You know where I'm going here, people. You know what I got? You know what that tingling inside of me is? That's some big Rick energy, baby. That's right. My boy Rick Petito is back at St. John's. And listen, I've talked about it all offseason. This is so big, so huge, and it's bigger than I even thought it was going to be. Um, first of all, the team he's fielding is good. They just beat Rutgers in a charity exhibition game the other day without two starters. Jordan Dingle, probably their best guard, didn't play. RJ Luis, an NBA draft prospect that the wing did not play. And they beat an NCAA tournament caliber team with Rick Petino as the head coach. But two, this just feels so interesting, so fascinating, so big. They play Michigan at the Garden the second week of the season. Cannot wait to watch. Oh, by the way, did you see what Rick Pitino said? We talked about it in Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong a few weeks ago. They're trying to schedule a game against Duke next year at Arthur Ashe Stadium, a 30,000-seat tennis facility. Torres might have to fly into New York for that one. That one's going to be so big. They're playing BAM at the Garden next year. This guy has completely flipped this program. It has so much energy, and I'm fascinated to see where they land in the Big East. Now, the Big East is really good. Creighton's really good. Marquette's really good. We talked about UConn, but don't give up on St. John's, baby. My boy, Big Rick Energy, I think I willed it into existence more than anybody, and it is finally here. A couple more thoughts. One, number nine on this list, it's the SEC. The SEC is loaded, okay? So we've talked about Kentucky. Tennessee was picked to win the league. They're really good. They bring back everybody of note except for Euros, I guess. They're a really talented team. I know everybody likes to criticize Rick Barnes. You understand the last, what, three NCAA tournaments that have been played, last four NCAA tournaments that have been played, they've made the second weekend twice. And last year they did it without their starting point guard. Well, now Zakai Ziegler's back. They're going to be good. A&M returns everybody. Arkansas, I think this might be Eric Musselman's most talented team as long as Trevin Brazil is healthy, and he looked healthy in their their exhibition a few nights ago. Bama will be good. Auburn will be good. What I think is the difference this year, though, that second tier in the league is just there's no nights off. Remember, Chris Beard. Chris Beard is the head coach at Ole Miss. Now, they have some eligibility issues with some guys, second-time transfers, but on paper, that could be an NCAA tournament team, especially if they have everybody eligible. Um, Mississippi State just lost their leading scorer, Tolu Smith, which is a bummer, but they made the tournament last year. Don't forget about them. Missouri made the tournament last year. Florida had another good year in the portal. Does that equate to something? Georgia had a good year in the portal. Does that equate to something? SEC is loaded. I think this is an eight-bid type league. Set on the College Hoops Daily Pod. I believe the NCAA tournament teams, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Arkansas, Bama, Auburn. 
That's already six right there. Then I believe two of the four, Missouri, Florida, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I believe two of those four will be in. That's eight NCAA tournament teams from this league. Don't call it a football conference anymore, baby. That basketball product is very good. Finally, my number 10 story. Listen, you can go a lot of different directions. Big East is going to be really good. We just talked about them with St. John's, Creighton, Marquette. Uh, Big 12, we barely even touched on, probably at least on paper, the best conference in college basketball. But where I'm going to go, something a little bit different, is I'm going to go with the fact that I believe in my heart of hearts that we need to appreciate this year. Because listen, much like college football, it's the last year of this sport as we know it. A year from now, there's going to be no Pac-12, or at least it's going to be Oregon State and Washington State, and that's pretty much it. A year from now, the Big 12 is going to be even bigger and probably better with Arizona, with Arizona State. Colorado is up and down. The ACC, don't forget, the ACC is going to have Stanford, Cal, and SMU. The SEC obviously adds Texas, Oklahoma. So the point I'm trying to make, this sport is changing fast. I didn't even mention the four teams from the Pac-12 going to the Big 10. UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon. I think UCLA and USC will be pretty good. Washington and Oregon may need some help. I just bring it up to say this is the last time this sport is going to look the way it does, so enjoy it. I'd add to, I think we're going to hear probably in the next six months that when we expand those conferences, we're going to expand the NCAA tournament. Because if you think that the SEC and the Big 12 and all these power leagues are going to add a bunch of teams and not expand the tournament, more teams but same tournament bids, I don't see it happening. That's something to keep an eye on. All right. Hopefully that was a good little reminder of everything that happened in college hoops last season and the off season, but it is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also make sure to rate and review the show. If you could, Aaron Torres Pod, give us a quick five stars. Just, just, just a quick five stars. Give us a, a little review. That really would help. That really would be great if you don't mind. If it's not too big of a deal, that would be amazing. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. As I said, make sure to follow on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Pod on TikTok. Hate to brag, taught myself TikTok this weekend and uh, I'm pretty freaking good at it. Pretty freaking good. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And that's basically it. Time for me to go. Time for me to get out of here. We'll be back next. Be back on Friday. Good show Friday. Friday, we will definitely be previewing the weekend in college football. Plus, who knows what's going to be happening at Michigan by then. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F-head unblock me, bro. I'll be back Friday. New episode. Aaron Torres Pop.